This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When I was younger, I didn't know anyone with tattoos. At the time, no one in my family had any, and my first real introduction to them was on the TV show LA Inc. with Kat Von D. I thought she looked like such a badass and completely comfortable in her own skin, which I really admired as an unsure teenager. I do remember asking my mom if I could get a tattoo at the age of 15, the pinnacle of my emo stage. I wanted to get a beating heart on one wrist and a broken heart on the other. Oh, so deep. I remember drawing it on my arms with pen, marker, whatever I could get my hands on. I was obsessed with this. But my mom forbid it, of course, and thank God she did, because I don't think it would have been a great look on me today. It wasn't until my mid-twenties that my focus turned back to the subject of tattoos. I was feeling a bit weird. I mean, that's the only way I can describe it. I always felt like I was a snake shedding my skin or something, if that makes sense. So I knew I needed to do something. I mean, I'd already got my hair cut, I'd bought a new lipstick, and I was like, I need to do something bigger. I got my first tattoo roughly a year ago, much to the surprise of everyone I know. I started following the tattoos of Madame Baraka after a good friend of mine showed me a tattoo she did on him. I instantly fell for her style and knew that she was the person I wanted to take my tattoo virginity. Madame Baraka is a mysterious woman, kind of a nomad. She's very hard to track down, and if she texts you back, you feel like you feel very important. <laughs> As someone who overthinks every single decision in my life, I surprised even myself when my friend called me and said Madame Baraka had a slot opening later that same evening. Before I had time to think about it, I said yes, and I was in an Uber driving to her bedroom, the place she was tattooing out of, above a pub in South London. When I got to the pub, first of all, I never go to pubs. I never leave my house after 7 p.m. And I ordered a cup of tea at the pub. Like, does anyone even do that? I don't know, but I did. So I was feeling calm, I was feeling zen, and then she came down and I was kind of like, oh my god, and she looked so cool. She had these like high-waisted jeans on and these really dirty trainers. Anyway, so we went upstairs and it was literally a, a bed in a room with a bunch of books and stuff. She had her tattoo table set up and she had a bunch of paper and like tracing paper that she'd been sketching on. I didn't go into the situation with any ideas or preconceptions 
I pretty much only told her that I wanted one of her women. She's quite famous for her 80s and 90s female imagery, and I knew I wanted one of those tattoos, but I didn't give her any more direction other than that. Crazy, huh? Once she drew it, we figured out a place to put it, and there was no going back. I vividly remember lying on the tattoo table thinking, wow, this is so unlike me, and it felt so liberating. I was like at a cool place, I was listening to cool music, I was on the table gonna get a tattoo, and I heard the gun turn on, and I didn't really realize she was starting right then and there, but then she just did. And she's like, okay, first scratch, here we go. And she did the first little bit. And I was like, okay, that's that's not too bad. All right, we can do this. And then I, in that moment, I was like, that little line is going to be on my arm forever now. Like, I could still back out. It's just a little line, <laughs> you know, like, it's not the whole thing. But then I just kind of went with it. I don't think I really even thought about what I was doing. When the pain started to sink into my skin, I didn't even care. I was just like so happy to be in a cool scenario for the first time in my life. Afterwards, when it was done, she's like, okay, look in the mirror. And I remember looking at myself and not even feeling like it was me. I don't have tattoos. Like, I can't get a tattoo. So when I saw it on my arm, I was like, God, I look cool. Like, I thought I looked cool. But then I was like, what did I do? It was a really weird moment. (laughs) I found the whole process quite cathartic. And once it was done, I was mentally and physically exhausted. I was so drained, I could barely hold a conversation. And afterwards, when it was all done, uh, Madame Baraka was like, okay, come downstairs to the pub because my friend is DJing. And she introduced us to the DJ and she started like drinking and dancing. I just turned to my boyfriend. I was like, can we go home? (laughs) Like I was done. I, I had a lot of excitement for one night and I went home. I've always had a lot of control over my own life. So to give up that control and allow someone else to permanently mark your body, which is a big deal for those control freaks out there. You know what I'm saying? It's a huge jump. It's almost like bungee jumping, but like diving into your skin. It's crazy. But it was also a really great lesson for me. My tattoo is in a spot that's quite hidden, despite it being a pretty decent size. In fact, someone I see regularly had no idea I even had a tattoo until I showed her this morning, which I quite like. It's a little secret I can reveal only if I want to. I don't know who the type of person who gets a tattoo, but I always felt like I wasn't the type of person to get a tattoo just because it doesn't suit my personality, whatever that means. I don't know. (laughs) That's precisely why I decided to get a tattoo in the first place. I wanted to prove to myself that I didn't have to stay inside a box just because it's what people expected of me, and more importantly, what I'd come to expect of myself. Sometimes I do look down at my arm and think, what the hell was I thinking? But for the most part, I try to think back to the spontaneity of that evening, and I'm reminded that I can be whoever I want to be, which is something that I frequently need to be reminded of. I'm Estée Lalonde, and welcome to The Heart of It. 
On this show, I explore subjects through the unique experiences of my guests. This episode, tattoos. Humans have been marking their bodies for thousands of years. The meaning or purpose of these marks differs from culture to culture and time period to time period. Often perceived as a total man's game, tattoos have been used to show alliances, medical needs, or even religious protection. However, tattoos have not always been a celebration of identity and art. They have been used for more sinister reasons. From a sign of ownership for sex traffic victims to gang members marking their skin with past crimes. Plenty of people could criticize tattooing for being a shallow, vain pastime. But my next guest uses her skills as a tattoo artist for a much deeper purpose. Today, I'm going to be talking to Amy Black from Amy Black Tattoos. Hello. Hello. There we go. It's working. Hi, Amy. It's Estee. Amy began back when there were few female tattoo artists and has since gone on to own the studio she was once an apprentice at. Using her amazing skills, she has also started the Pink Ink Fund, which provides mastectomy tattoos healing both emotional and physical scars. So, Amy, I am so excited to talk to you, and I want to start from the top. Tell me about who you are. Like, what was little Amy like? Oh, geez. Uh, Little Amy. We're starting from the beginning. Yeah, little little (laughs) Amy was probably the black sheep of the family, but in a good way. I had a really great childhood, um, a wonderful family. They adopted me from Korea when I was a baby. Um, So I'm just really grateful to be able to have that kind of upbringing here. Um, But yeah, I was an artist pretty much from the moment that I could pick up anything and and draw. And I was taking extracurricular art classes early outside of regular schooling. Um, And so my parents were really, really supportive of that. Listening to Amy speak about her education really surprised me. When I normally think of tattoo artists, I get that they go, you know, to learn how to be a tattoo artist. And there is a lot of dedication involved in doing that. But I don't necessarily think of somebody going to fine art school, especially at such a young age and having such dedication for art. I was really surprised that she'd taken such an unconventional route and then ended up being a tattoo artist, which is pretty cool and really sets her apart. The more that I got through art school, the more that I realized that there was a lot more to trying to make a living as an artist than just learning how to paint and draw. So I ended up dropping out and uh, just starting to get regular jobs and hoping that I could do art on the side. You know, I just I needed time to get out and sort of figure out what I was going to do. Yeah. And can you tell me about I heard that you were really particularly interested in anatomy when you were you know, studying fine art. Can you tell me about that and how you discovered that? Yeah, it was one of the prerequisites that we had to take. What was really interesting is that in the anatomy class, you know, they were making us study the skeletal structure and the muscular structure. We had to learn the names of everything. We had to think of how things work together and the joints and everything. And what that was doing, it was giving us this great underlying information to understand what we were drawing whenever we were trying to do anything of a human body. And it could actually extrapolate into other stuff too. But I just ended up really, really loving it. And the funny thing is, is if I had any clue that there was a career um, known as medical illustration, um, I probably wouldn't even be tattooing today because I would have gone with, with that track. Um, but unfortunately, it requires like a couple years of pre-med and I definitely was not set up to go into medical school. So I had no idea about yeah, that. Yeah, they, <laughs> they want you to work on cadavers, you know? Wow. Yeah. Oh my God. Which is, <laughs> I do watch a lot of CSI, but I still don't think I could actually <laughs> do it. 
Wow. So it's not super common for someone to study fine art and then become a tattoo artist, would you say? I think it's a little more common nowadays, but whenever I started, not so much. Okay, cool. And did you always want to get into tattooing? Is that something you were always interested in or did it just kind of happen? I never really had any interest in tattooing until I got into college. And uh, I'd seen a couple of tattoos around. It wasn't like I was, you know, no one in my family has tattoos. I wasn't really that exposed to them. But, um, you know, being a little bit of that black sheep thing, uh, I was really interested. I was super curious. So a friend of mine was doing small tattoos for free. And I decided I would just get a small one, see what I thought about it. And if I didn't like it, you know, I'd put it somewhere where I wouldn't have to see it that often, you know, that kind of stuff. But that's just how it started. That was it. Yeah. Then obviously it took off from there. So. <laughs> wow. And then what did your parents think when they eventually saw it? My parents did not see my tattoos, or at least I didn't think they saw my tattoos for about three or four years after I started getting tattoos. Oh, wow. Yeah. And from the moment that I got them, I was hooked and I was really starting to get more and more of them. Um, you know, I was getting larger pieces, stuff on my thighs. So just to give you a visual Amy is covered in tattoos, like head to toe. She's a pretty small person. She's got long black hair and she's just a cool rock chick. Really, what I, I did not want to upset my parents with them, but I could tell that it was a passion. It was something I really loved. But what ended up happening was I was just hanging out with my parents and we were they were sitting across from me. And we, I forget what we were talking about, but they were just all of a sudden like, so when are you going to tell us about your tattoos? And it was totally left to center. And I was just like, I guess now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was just like, oh, yeah, I have a lot of them and all this other stuff. But my mom told me that she had she had busted me a couple years earlier because I was changing the oil on my car. I was wearing short sleeves, like a shirt, and the sleeve had rolled up on me, and I didn't realize it, and I had a tattoo around my arm. She's told me, she's like, I thought it was oil or dirt at first, but then I figured it out. And wow. I was just like, why didn't you say something? That's such a mom thing to just like hold that in themselves and just not release it until they really need to. (laughs) Yeah, but they were incredibly sweet. And what they did end up telling me was that they were just waiting for me to feel comfortable to come and tell them about it. So I was just like, oh, guys. (laughs) That's nice. So that was Amy's first tattoo. But by now, you're probably wondering what my first tattoo looked like. Well, I'm going to tell you. My tattoo actually looks a lot like me. In fact, whenever I meet people, they think that it's a tattoo of myself. And it's like, okay, I'm, I'm pretty narcissistic, but not that much, everyone. It's a really simple, black, thin line drawing. It's basically a woman from the waist up with her hand underneath her chin, which is how I always sit. And she just looks like a boss lady. And this is why I love the tattoo, because it's my inner boss. Yeah. Have you ever had any of your tattoos removed or do you believe in that? Uh, So when I first started out, I did not believe in that. But after about 10 years, I was just like, ah, screw it. (laughs) (laughs) There was just some stuff that I'd gotten whenever I was younger. And I didn't understand what um, the real version of that particular genre of art was supposed to look like. Mm. And I, I wanted to do it right. So whenever I found an artist that could do it right, then I went through the process of doing lasering and all of that stuff, which was not fun, but it was worth it. Is it really, really painful? 
it is definitely worse than getting tattooed in my opinion. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The healing process is a lot longer and can be way more difficult. Oh, wow. I didn't really think about I that. had no idea that tattoo removal was that painful. I mean, of course it's going to hurt, but I've since found out just how much it hurts. I got laser hair removal the other day, people. And let me just say it sucked. And I was talking to the laser hair remover and she said that getting a tattoo removed was like 10 times worse than hair removal. And I was already like sweating as she was like lasering my armpits. But oh my God, if it's 10 times worse, I am never getting my tattoo removed. So definitely think about something before you ink yourself up. It is permanent and it's not just a piece of cake to get it removed. But yeah. Wow. I always want to know, like, when I see tattoo artists, like, what did you feel like when you tattooed the very first person? Like, you're, you've never done it before. Do you practice on, like, orange peels? Or, like, how does that happen? So the first person that I tattooed ever, I had been um, practicing just by drawing and copying traditional old school tattoo designs with tracing paper. So I've been doing that for um, a little while. And the guy that was teaching me just felt that uh, I was ready to start uh, try my first one. So the first tattoo I ever did, there was this uh, young group of the Christian kids that were running around Cincinnati and they were getting super heavily tattooed. It was all Christian based stuff. And the first person that let me tattoo them was their preacher. He was this young kid. He already had a bunch of other tattoos. And what I did on him was the uh, Japanese kanji symbol for fire. What a visual. (laughs) (laughs) Were you, like, surprised? No. (laughs) I was stoked. (laughs) It makes for a great story. What did he say about it? Like, why did he say that he wanted it? Or he didn't? He was just like, this is what I want. He basically was just like, this is what I want. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. All right. (laughs) You know, trial by fire. I don't know. Kind of of, of speaks volumes about my life sometimes. Oh, man. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. So there was a lot of really positive factors that drove into that that first one that that, uh, made it a really great experience. Um, I was also so excited to do it that I didn't feel nervous at all. Wow. So, yeah, it was really the best thing possible. Oh, God, I think I would be so nervous. But I guess that's why you're a tattoo artist and I am not. That is (laughs) different. (laughs) Not only did Amy make her way from apprentice to owner of her tattoo shop in Richmond, Virginia, this was at a time when there were very few female tattoo artists. Her tattoos are not the only reason why Amy is a pretty kick-ass lady. Can you talk about the the process of getting a placement and your, you know, your apprenticeship? And like, what is that process like? Do you literally just walk into a tattoo shop and say, can I apprentice here? So when I started seeking an apprenticeship back in the early 90s, it was really difficult. And who knows, it might have been because I'm a woman, but you really just kind of had to hang around shops, get to know the people that were working there, get to know the owner, make sure that they knew that you were really interested and committed to the craft and and see if you could do an apprenticeship. I personally felt like if I couldn't find the exact right teacher to teach me how to do it, that I wasn't going to try to tattoo. And is it true that one tattoo shop actually told you, no, they don't want any women working there? Yeah. <laughs> I've been getting tattooed by this guy for a while and um, I developed a friendship with him and... 
eventually, I mean, I wasn't, was not thinking of tattooing when I first got tattooed at all. I just wanted to get them. Um, but eventually I thought, oh, maybe I could try to do this. And his response to me was that he did not want to have a woman tattooing in the shop. So that was the end of that. (laughs) It's just, do you think that still happens today or was that, you know? Yeah, sure. Yep. Wow. I know a lot of women today who are covered in tattoos. It's so cool. I love it. But it kind of made me think, back in the day, did women have tattoos? So I started researching it, and apparently Winston Churchill's mother actually had a snake tattoo on her wrist, which I am not a lover of snakes, but I think the tattoo is pretty cool. And apparently if she had to go somewhere fancy, she would cover it up with a big diamond bracelet. Baller. But let's take it back a little bit further. The first tattoos ever were done on women in ancient Egypt. The funny thing is, although we think of tattooing to be a bit of a man's game, in ancient Egypt, tattooing was exclusively a female practice. One notable mummy discovered at a site near the Valley of the Kings was marked with dozens of symbolic tattoos, possibly linked to her religious status. One of those tattoos was the Eye of Horus, which was tattooed over her voice box, signifying that whenever she spoke or sang, she invoked a ritual power to do good. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott, or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch, find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. So what is it like today as a woman who tattoos? It's obviously it's more accepted, but it's still something that's, you know, not the norm, would you say? Uh, I'd say tattooing has become more mainstream than I could have ever thought that it would ever get at this point in time. If you can believe it, one in five people in the UK is tattooed. That's a pretty big number. But when you shrink that number down and focus just on the young people, one in three young people have a tattoo. So I think that nowadays for women, it's really accepted. And I don't think it's nearly as uh, a strange idea for other people that are seeking out a tattoo artist to think about. Back when I was starting in the 90s, it wasn't necessarily that strange either. It was just a thing where there was more men in the industry and they just did more of the tattoos. So what would happen is that you'd actually get some people who would be seeking you out for a long time um, because they only wanted a woman to tattoo them. Um, which was, you know, nice to be able to help them out with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And as far as the types of tattoos you do, would you say, I, obviously everyone has their own particular style, but what would, how would you describe your tattoo style to someone who just came into your shop and asked? Um, I totally get a lot of requests for nature stuff. And then my style's eclectic as far as that goes. So some people will come in and ask for photorealistic things. Other people will come in and ask for more graphic stylized stuff. Um, So there's that. And I do a lot of uh, Japanese style, which tends to be a little more heavy and graphic. Then there's a lot of slightly scientific or bizarre requests that I get, you know, where people will come in and ask for like chemical structures for oxytocin or something. (laughs) I I usually really just tell people, go to my Instagram. That's what I update the most and see what you think. Wow. (laughs) So, of course, it's important to find a tattoo artist who fits your style. 
I'm not sure if I've completely figured out my own personal style, but I think everyone's personal style is always evolving, so I'm trying not to stress out too much about it. So I was interested in how Amy could keep a piece of her style while also making the client feel happy with it. I really am there for the client. I really listen to them and their specific details that they want to get done. And so I get so focused on that. Sometimes I'm not necessarily focused at all on whether or not it looks like I did it. You know, it's more to make that I'm getting all the things done that they want within the laws of tattooing. So (laughs) style isn't only what you show on your outside, though. It has a lot of how you can pull something off. So I could get an outfit and my best friend could get the same outfit and we might look and f- like feel totally different about it. It's all the way you rock something. Person, this teacher had a room full of students and said, okay, everybody just draw a tree. There was no tree in the room for them to look at. They just had to draw a tree. And naturally everybody's tree looked differently. And the idea is, and this is you know true, is that innately we all have a different way that we see the world and how we would recreate that whenever somebody asks us to. So um, I, I, I just think that your style just will come out, whether or not you intend for it to or not. Yeah, it's actually really funny because I have a tree drawing story of my own that I'm going to tell you. Yeah, cool. (laughs) So when I was younger, and I don't remember this because I was really little, but I was at school and apparently I drew a tree and I drew a tree that had purple leaves and I colored the leaves purple. And my teacher told me, trees don't have purple leaves. You have to redraw this and make it green. Apparently, my mom said that I came home and I was crying because the teacher said the leaves can't be purple. And my mom said the leaves can be any color I want them to be. So it's true. In my mind, a tree had purple leaves, but you never know what is in somebody else's mind. Can I just take a moment here to tell you how much this purple tree incident has haunted me? That was until Amy told me all about the jacaranda no. tree. It's purple. Oh! <laughs> It starts green, and whenever it starts to flower, the entire tree turns purple. You have to Google it now. Wow, I have to see one and have a full (laughs) circle moment. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. And that teacher was wrong. (laughs) I know. All right, and I'm assuming there's lots of trends when it comes to tattoos, for instance, like watercolor tattoos. And I know, like, I really used to want to get a white ink tattoo. I don't know why. I just really did No, no, they were very attractive. I get it. They were very trendy. It was something that really only you could see. Um, You know, you could keep it hidden and and, or they looked really pretty. Mm. Um, The problems with those is that um, tattoos have very specific rules to them that you really cannot break. And it's due to the fact that how pigments are going to age in in the human skin. And with the colors white and any other color that doesn't have some form of black or gray in it, as it ages, it tends to lose its clarity and spread out and you sometimes end up with something that doesn't look anything like you know it looked like when you got it yeah which is obviously a huge disappointment but I feel like people know that they're not going to last as well and they get them anyway and then they get pissed off when they like look weird in a couple years yes (laughs) (laughs) I'm preaching to the choir on that one probably (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. it it happens a lot and there's some people that don't of course I've googled like what does a bad tattoo look like Imagine getting a tattoo and one of the words is spelled wrong. Oh, Chinese symbol that you think means happiness, but actually means something completely different. 
this is a, a really bad one. I once saw a tattoo online of someone who got a stick figure mowing the lawn near his pubic hair. It's so grim. I know loads of people get tattoos of Drake. I myself am a Drake lover, representing the six right here. But one woman took it, in my opinion, a step too far. She got the name Drake tattooed in huge letters. This isn't like little letters. This is big letters taking over her entire forehead that says Drake. Oh my God, you have to wonder who did that? That's cruel. Like, is that punishable under the law? You're literally like ruining someone's face. But is it ruining someone's face? I guess it's all pretty objective. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's crazy. But as a tattoo artist, you must have to think, should I be doing this? Are there places where you wouldn't tattoo? Yes. Um, there's places you can't really tattoo, again, because it's just human nature. Um, you, know, you may see a lot of people get palm tattoos, you know, mm -hmm. That's not really going to age or last well at all. And the same for the bottoms of the feet um, and other areas where the skin tends to change and become a little more callous. Um, facial tattoos, they can look good for a little while, but the face tends to age really fast as well um, and stuff on the inside of the ear, et cetera. The number one place that I don't work with is genitals. So <laughs> it's like not not today, not this Tuesday morning. I can't. Just not, not ever. <laughs> So silly tattoos aside, it seems like almost everyone has tattoos these days. There are so many different reasons and types of tattoos people could get. A lot of people get tattoos for very emotional and meaningful reasons. And it can often be a really serious time in someone's life. And then there are the tattoos that are really beautiful and they're genuine pieces of art on someone's body that people get because they really admire the artist. And this is where I think Amy really lies. I guess like what I'm trying to get to the heart of is what makes tattoos so special? Why do people feel the need to get them? I think it's really varied per person is, is what I've experienced. And it can be everything from being just, a oh, I got drunk and I got this and I don't even remember getting this kind of experience, but they still laugh about it and they love it all the way up to something that's helping them heal from a tragedy, some kind of trauma, um, or for instance, you know, like the mastectomy tattooing that I do for breast cancer survivors, where people are trying to reclaim their bodies. So um, yeah, it's a pretty big, big um, array. So can you tell me a little bit about the Pink Ink Fund, please, and how it started and how, how the whole thing came about? Yeah, so the Pink Ink Fund, it really just started as an idea whenever I did the first mastectomy tattoo, that there might be other um, men and women out there that would really love to get a real specific kind of nipple tattoo or something, um, but maybe there was something financially blocking them. And it started out as a private donation fund um, to help out people locally, but I had hopes to turn it into a nonprofit that could help out people worldwide. Um, and it's gone to that point now. So how did this come about? What, like, what was your first mastectomy tattoo? Uh, the first one was a breast cancer survivor, pretty much cold called me. Um, she was local and she had seen that there was a tattoo artist up in Maryland um, who was doing realistic nipple tattooing. Um, she was hoping to find a woman and she was hoping she could find someone locally so she wouldn't have to travel. But finding a woman was almost like her first priority. 
Um, so she got directed to me back then. There weren't a lot of women tattooing in Richmond. And whenever she contacted me, I'd been tattooing for 10 years at that point. I had the anatomy and the fine arts oil painting background, and I was totally, completely ready to help her out whenever she made contact. In fact, I was really excited because I knew that that kind of tattooing existed, and I had no clue if I'd ever get to do it. And I was just so happy that I might be able to do it just this one time for this person. Wow. I mean, I kind of knew it existed as well. But when I saw the ones that you have done, I honestly, I was so shocked at how realistic they actually look. And I'm not sure if that's because of your, you know, fine art background or what, but they're just so real looking. Thank you. (laughs) Instagram and Facebook also has thought that and banned them. So it's (laughs) kind of like a good, (laughs) good, bad thing. But um, yeah, it's, it definitely comes from all of that stuff I did in college because that's everything that I'm thinking about whenever I'm creating that nipple for that person on that that flat surface. You have to know what you're doing and how to bring that whole Trump loyal, you know, faux effect into it. So Wow. And then how do you match it? Because I've heard that your nipple color is the same color as your lips. And I always look at people's <laughs> lips now. I'm like, Ooh. so that's not true. Okay. <laughs> I've tattooed super um, pale women that told me they had espresso dark nipples. What? Yep. And it does not matter what your lip color is. It could completely vary from your nipple. So when these women get these nipple tattoos, can they choose what color their nipples are? Can no, you... completely. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Yep. That's one of the fun customization things that you can offer them is maybe they weren't happy with their natural breasts and nipples. And they said, hey, you get to totally choose what you want to do now. Wow. And that must just be so emotional for them because I guess a lot of people must be thinking, why even get a nipple tattoo? Yeah, it's a couple of different reasons I've heard from the survivors themselves. One of the first things that I ever heard was that they were getting it for something they called the drive-by, and I had no clue what that meant. And they explained that the drive-by was every time you pass by the mirror in the morning or at night, you know, getting ready to take a shower or what it might be. And every time you do that, you're reminded that you had cancer and that a lot of women tell me that they stop looking at themselves in the mirror. And I think that that's you know, that's pretty sad. And what the nipple tattoos have done for them is a lot of people told me that they've been able to forget about it and just go on with their normal life like the rest of us do. That's all they want, you know? When I think of what Amy is doing for the Pink Ink Fund, I think it's incredible. And I think it's a really important thing to do. I think it's a really important job. And I think Amy is doing such a great job with it. She really respects the individual who comes in and she respects the process, which I think is very important. When I started tattooing or even younger than that, if you told me one day you're going to be able to help these people get through their cancer by doing this for them, I don't know if I would have even believed you. I would have thought you're a crazy person. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, a a completely humbling and honored experience, so. Wow, it it really is amazing. And I know you call it, um, I think you call it, is it a two-inch circle or something like that? Yeah, roughly. Not everybody. Roughly. But, you know, it's amazing how much of a difference it actually can make. And I know you've also done a tattoo on a woman's head because I believe she had alopecia. So you put it was like it it didn't look like hair, but it was like a, you know, really abstract version of hair. And I thought it was so cool. She was incredible. She'd never gotten tattooed in her life. 
she uh, can she started uh, with the alopecia several years ago and lost all of her hair and her eyebrow hair and all of that. And she had been used to wearing a prosthetic wig for all this time. And she was just getting tired of having to feel like she had to hide under her wig all the time. And she saw um, someone uh, in television or something or, or, or TV over here, a producer um, had been going through chemotherapy for breast cancer, lost her hair and put a temporary fake tattoo on her head. And that just inspired her. And so she kind of based it off of that person's and it was definitely more a decorative look, not trying to look like natural hair at all. Um, but she got through that beautifully. Um, I was just so amazed with how much strength and poise that she had through that entire tattoo. Wow. So. Yeah, I think when people think of tattoos, a lot of us think of the tattoos you see on your arms, legs, whatever, but you don't necessarily think of those transformative tattoos. And I think that that's so important. You know, we need to talk about it more. Yeah, obviously, I, I'm biased. <laughs> I've been able to help people with that kind of stuff a lot. And um, I think it's incredibly helpful. It's great to talk about it because it opens the door for other people who maybe think they don't have any other options, whether it's trying to hide scars from cutting, you know, because I get those people as well, or maybe a scar from an accident, or if it's just an emotional scar. Um, there's a lot of great things that, you know, you can do if a tattoo is the option for you. Yeah, I mean, you clearly have such a passion for it anyway, but I think when you do work like that, where it is so life-changing and it is so personal, you probably just have a sense of fulfillment that, you know, a lot of us just dream of having in our lives. So you're you're living the dream. <laughs> yeah, I'm very grateful for it. <laughs> so I just want to say a huge, huge thank you for talking to me today. And it's been yeah. amazing learning more and more about this. And can people donate to the Pink Ink? Yes, part? they can. Okay. Get, yep, there's a website. There's um, donation buttons on there and they can send checks. The website's www.pinkinkfund.org. Okay, amazing. Well, maybe one day I'll be in Virginia yeah, yeah. and I'll get tattooed by you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Have an amazing day and I will maybe talk to you soon. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Bye. Bye. Speaking to Amy was really interesting for me because I got to learn about a side of tattooing that I knew nothing about before. And I think it is a side of tattooing that not a lot of people think about. I mean, we all think of people with sleeves and, you know, tattoos all over themselves. But sometimes I feel like we don't think about the type of tattoo that can completely change the way somebody feels about themselves. I have a lot of respect for her for working her way up in a world that is traditionally male dominated. And you can tell that she's worked incredibly hard for everything that she has. Besides all that, she's very talented and can actually do great tattoos. I think actually talking to Amy has inspired me to get another tattoo. I already know what I want. I want something to represent my little doggy Reggie, who's not so little. He's a big dog. I know people are like, he's just a dog, but he's not just a dog. He is my son and I adore him. And I know that forever and ever and ever, I'm going to think back to our first dog and just remember him. So I definitely want to get a tattoo um, to celebrate his life. There's really nothing I regret about getting a tattoo. It's always really funny when I get out of the shower and I see it and I'm like, ooh, I have a tattoo. I think firstly, it taught me not to be too set in my ways. Like, you know, just because I once thought that I could never get a tattoo. Yes, you can. And you can like break free of all those ideas you've once set for yourself. It's also taught me not to necessarily judge a book by its cover. So if you see someone covered in tattoos, 
get rid of all those preconceptions because you don't know, you know, the person's story. And number three, it's really taught me that people love to talk about tattoos. If you're ever at a really boring dinner party, just bring up the topic of tattoos. I guarantee it'll be very entertaining for the next hour. Everybody has an opinion on tattoos, whether it's good, bad, ugly, but it's interesting to hear different takes on it. I also recommend getting a tattoo that's unique to you and special to you in some way. I guess actually one of the things that stopped me from getting that tattoo when I was a teenager was that it didn't really have much significance to me. And everyone had always said, you need to get something that means something to you. And when I got my tattoo, I didn't even realize what it meant. You know, it's something that's evolved with me. And actually, it does mean a lot to me. And I'm so happy that I got it. So I think, you know, tattoos can evolve with you, even though it's the same tattoo. Today, I look at it a little bit differently. And the last thing I want to say to you is to just do what feels right. If you wake up and feel like getting a tattoo, do it. If you want to think really, really hard about it for like three years, then that's cool too. If you are someone who's like, I never, ever want to get a tattoo, then don't do it. Getting a tattoo is all about your own personal style. And at the end of the day, it's up to you. It's your body. You can do whatever you want but maybe just think about it. Just, just draw it on yourself, wear it for a week before you get inked up permanently. This show was brought to you by the team at Radio Wolfgang. It was hosted by me, Estée Lalonde, and featured tattoo artist, Amy Black. It was executive produced by Harry Watson. The assistant producer was Holly Aquilina, and the producer was Natalia Rodriguez. If you want to find out more about Amy and her work, check out thepinkinkfun.org. Her views of tattoos, tattoos, tattoos. <laughs> oh my God. Tattoos. Oh my God. Oh God. Oh, wow. Okay.